Thank you for listening to this resource. Um, your mind is an amazing creation of God. It handles billions and billions of bits of information. It can process 800 memories per second for years and never gets tired. No computer will ever compare with the computing power of the brain. And the, and the Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You are what you think. More than anything else, what determines your life are your thoughts, not your background, not your genes or hereditary, not your environment, but what you choose to think about has greater influence on your life than anything else. Think about that. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you are serious about changing something in your life, whatever area it is, you have to start by changing the way you think. This new series, Clear Thinking, we are going to be looking at thinking clearly about your life and future. Because as Christians, sometimes we forget that God has blessed us with the capacity to think. Beyond praying, God wants us to pray, yes, but God wants us to think and think clearly. So in part one, we'll be looking at thinking clearly about problems, part two, about finances, part three, about stress, part four, about spiritual growth. In part five, we'll be looking at thinking clearly about sex, in part six, about relationships, in part seven, which is the final part, about life change. This is part four, thinking clearly about spiritual growth. Part four of our series, Clear Thinking. I will say clear thinking. What happens to thinking? Sometimes it's as if when we get saved and you become a Christian, it's as if you stop using your brain. And, and we, we said that is not supposed to be the case. God wants us to use our brains. So, and not just to use our brains, to think clearly. And, and we showed us in scripture that God wants us to think clearly. So we started with part one, where, and we looked at thinking clearly about problems. And that's correct, right? And part two, um, we looked at thinking clearly about your finances. And in part three, we looked at thinking clearly about about stress, about stress. And today, we are looking at thinking clearly about spiritual growth, spiritual growth. There's a story in Luke chapter 8, verse 4 to 15. We're going to read that story. It's going to come up on the screen. And this story is called the parable of the sower, depending on the angle you are coming from. And some people call it the parable of the farmer that scatters seed. And some people call it the parable of the soils. Today, we are going to look at it from the soil's perspective. So it's the parable of the soils. One day, Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns near him. A farmer, I would say a farmer, a farmer went out to plant his seed as he scattered it across the field, some fell on a 
path, on the footpath where it was stepped upon and the birds ate it. Others fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Others fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked it, choked out the tender plants. Still others fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, anyone with ears, I was like, anyone with ears, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him, what this parable meant? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. Verse 13, the seeds on the rocky soil represent those that hear the message, receive it with joy. I was say with joy. But since they, didn't, they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while. Then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among thorns represent those who hear the message. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so, they never grow into maturity. And the seed that fell on good soil represents honest, good-hearted people. Are there any honest, good-hearted people in this place? Honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently, everybody say patiently, they patiently produce a huge harvest. The Lord bless the reading and the understanding of his words in Jesus' name. Your life is not an accident. Your life is not an accident. You are not here by chance. You were designed for a purpose. You need to understand that, but in order to become all that God has designed you to be, you must grow spiritually. You can't be all that God has designed you to be if you don't grow spiritually. Life is meant that you are meant to live begins with salvation. Spiritual birth. But you see, you cannot enter into the fullness until you grow spiritually. Praise the name of the Lord. If you have a child, your child is the heir apparent. 
Your children are the heir apparent of your property, right? So it means your car, your houses inevitably will belong to them if they are still in good condition when you exit. But if the ch your child remains a child, is seven years old, would you give him the key of your brand new car because you love him? I'm not sure many of us would do that. Now, the fact that you don't give him the keys does that mean you don't love him? And the boy says, you don't love me, dad, because you don't give me the keys of your car. I can't drive because I've been driving on the iPad. I've been playing the game, speed racing game. You will just laugh like you have done. Sometimes that is how we, we relate with God. God has shown you. He has a huge vision for you. He has a plan that he wants to take you into. But as long as you remain a child, you can't access it. But this year, your relationship with Jesus is key. You are going to grow and you are going to access all that God has for you in the mighty name of Jesus. So we're going to dive into this story straight away. If you look at your notes, the farmer is God. The farmer is God. She writes God. For those that are new, I, I say I, I wouldn't be doing that um, because of time. The seed is the word. The seed is the word. The word of God. And the soil is my life, is your life. So, so Jesus is saying to us, if you want to grow spiritually, three things from this scripture, three things must happen. If you must grow spiritually, if I must grow spiritually, number one, I must be receptive to God. I must be what? I must be receptive to God. If I must grow, I must be eager. I must be willing. I must be ready. I must be receptive to God. You see, one reason why people don't grow is simply because they don't want to grow. That may shock you. As a pastor, I've discovered that one reason why people don't grow is simple. Some people don't want to. They're not interested in growing. Some people are, are fine where they are. They're just, they think they are fine where they are. Verse 5 of the scripture that we read says, A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across the field, some fell by the footpath where it was stepped on and birds came and ate it. Verse 12, when he was explaining this, the Living Bible translation says, the hard part, the footpath, the footpath, the hard part where some seed fell represents what? The hard hearts of those who hear the words of God. The heart is hardened. But then, the devil, of course, because the heart is hardened, the devil 
comes and steals the word away, preventing these people from growing spiritually. And you see, to, to explain this footpath is from a farmer's perspective. There's a um, picture. Debbie, did you get that picture? Did you get it? He's not here. Did she give you a picture of a farm? Is that a yes? Is that a yes or a no? No. Okay, fine. There, there was this picture of a farm that I, I just I sent it to her last minute, so it's, it's not her fault. That had the footpath. Now, what happens is this footpath is the path the farmer takes when he's um, spreading, sowing his seed or when he's irrigating his farm. So the, so the footpath is usually narrow and hardened because the soil on it has been um, compressed and matched and, you know, and hardened. So sometimes when he's scattering his seed, some fall on that pathway. But because it is narrow and particularly hardened, the seed doesn't go into the soil and it doesn't germinate. And of course, the birds just come and pick it up. And that's the problem with some, of pe- some people, some of us. We are too narrow-minded. Our minds are too narrow. Our, our image of God is too restricted. And our hearts are too hardened. So, so we can't grow spiritually. For you to grow spiritually, you must allow God to, to disabuse your mind. To, you, know, God, you can't put God in a box. You, can, you should allow God to, to mess with your theology. You know, let me tell you something. The, the, if you put God in a box, you can't grow spiritually. God is not religious at all. In fact, religion by definition is man's way to God. Christianity by origination is God's way to man. Opposite. Praise the name of the Lord. Total opposite. So, a lot of us are narrow-minded. Like that path, we are narrow. We are, we are you know, it's not, it's not really wide. We are hardened. And because of this, we cannot receive the seed. The seed does not penetrate and because the seed does not penetrate, it cannot germinate. And the birds just come and pick it up. Many things that make us closed and narrow. This is how we do it. This is how it is done. We do praise and worship for 10 minutes, then we do... Which is why when we come and we just say, sit down quietly and pray and worship. Some people struggled with that. This is a pastor, are we trying to buy time? I'm like, what? Why? Because in their box head of God, when you come to church, you start with praising the Lord always. Then after that, you do what? Holy, 
Then after that, you do what? You know, you just put God in a box. So you can't even sit down and worship and pray for 30 minutes. Some people's minds are in Shokoto and Kachafak. Kafanchan. Thank you. You know, you've been thinking about Kafanchan. <laughs> if you come to God with a box like approach, you are going to miss God. Hardened path equals closed mind, if you are taking notes. Hardened path means closed mind. Now, the question is, what causes us to be so close to spiritual growth? There are three things that causes us to be so close to spiritual growth. Number one, it's fair. It's fair. It's fair. What if God tells me to do what I don't want to do? The fair. What if God says I should uh, go to the village and uh, be a missionary? And I'm not interested in, in that. What if God, you know, so because you don't know God, you put him in a box, you limit him totally, and you preempt him. Look, I, I've been there. In fact, one of the things that God did for me was to dismantle my theology, which I'm totally grateful for today. Totally grateful for. I said in the north, northern, eastern, north, northern, east of this country. So it breaks my heart to hear those places that are torn apart. Because I know those cities, those towns, those villages who went for evangelism in those places. And I was, after one year, youth service year, I was supposed to come back to Lagos and I said to Jesus, oh, like 70% of my friends that were in the executive of the, the Coppers Fellowship were all going to mission field. I said, God has not sent me to mission field. <laughs> I mean, am I, am I backsliding? You know? This person is going to this mission. God has not sent to the mission. So, but, but after a while, because it was so prevalent, I didn't want to pray again. You know why I didn't want to pray? Because I, paradventure God will say. So when it's time to pray, I'm, I'm making sure my mind is just very big. I don't want to hear nothing. We are at the end of this service. I just want to go to Lagos. I have tried now. Uh -uh. Have I not tried? Then we had some ESCO meeting, you know how it's done, first batch, second batch, you know. So the, the, the first batch before us, or the batch before us, whatever, they committed to sowing an amount for the building of the secretariat of the Coppers Fellowship. We were in there when they made the commitment. So we were passing out, then they came, I mean, the, 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 the leaders of, of, of that coordinate the whole fellowship came and said, oh, this commitment was made. You have to give, you should give. And it was the exact amount that I've kept for my trip to Lagos. One way to get to Lagos. Nothing coming back by bus. By bus. To show you it wasn't even a lot. I struggled. I was like, God, but I was not there. It's not my fault. <laughs> but I said to myself, 
you know, God took me through that path so I can confront myself. And I said to myself, wait, what's your fear? A God has trapped me here, right? By taking my transport fare, right? So I can be stuck on the mission field, right? Okay. Fine. I'm going to sow this money. I gave it away. I didn't have a dime. Passing that parade, everybody was rejoicing. I didn't even know what was going to happen to me. But for some strange reason, some guy from the end of the camp was asking, who needs a free ticket to Lagos? Who needs a free ticket? Now, if you, at least 40% of us came from Lagos. And he didn't find anybody until he found me and gave me the ticket. And as he gave me the ticket, God said to me, I am able to take you to Lagos. You know, you, you, I, 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 it just totally set me free because I was confused. Is it that he, he just wants me to rot in this place? Now, the point is, if he wanted me to stay, he would tell me to stay. I was running from what he hasn't called me to even do in the first place. Which is where Satan takes an advantage of us. He keeps restricting us from exploring God. Because he lies to us that God is a showstopper. It's going to deprive you of joy. It's going to deprive you. Look, let me tell you something. I've been following Jesus since 1995. There's no better place to be than to be with Jesus. I'm telling you that because I have friends. I can't even begin to tell you for time. You cannot follow God and be a reject. It's impossible. I'm struggling. I'll tell you one more story. I want to go back into the text. What should I do? <laughs> okay, stories. I was in um, Joss. That was like the beginning of my service here. You know, it was a conference in Joss. So I went to Joss before going. I was in Northeast. Then I came to Joss. Then I was going to go back. And in Joss, I was still conflicted because God told me to go to seven enough. Now, a lot of you know, I studied computer science. There are no computers in the north. At least in that part of the north. At that time. Nothing. So, one year, if you miss one year in my field, by the time you come back, the whole world has gone forward. And so, I struggled with all that. I said, I cannot go to the north. And God said, go to the north. Long story short, I went to the north. And as I was there in that conference, listening to God, I hope you know what you are doing. Because this thing doesn't make sense. My friends were telling me how they are working with this company, working with that company, everybody's moving forward, they are, they are going to retain them. Here I am in this jungle. And God said to me, listen, Femi, he said, if you become a curse, 
if you become a reproach, let the reproach be on me. Some of you will get it on Wednesday morning next week. <laughs> he says, if you, if you, he, says, he said to me, if you become a reproach, you are following me, and you are putting a question mark, if you become a reproach, then let the reproach be on me. I said, look, I, I followed him with two hands, two legs, with all my head and everything. That was 1997. How many years ago? Come on. 18 years ago. By the grace of God, all my friends that I thought had gone. Number two, what makes us cause us to be hardened? Number one is fair. Number two is bitterness. How could you let this happen to me, God? How could you let this happen to that person? We are bitter against God. We, we have unresolved pain that we, we feel. Some of us are not even bold enough to, to confront God with it. But we, we are just unhappy with God. It hardens our hearts. It could be a sickness. Lord, how could you allow this person to have this sickness? Has this person served you? Or how could you allow me to go through this? I'm serving you. Or how could you see this person? And there was later said to me, Pastor, this person went to school together. She aborted five times. Now she's married. She has three children. That person aborted 15 times. Actually, well, I said, were you counting? She, she said she remained a virgin until she got married. How come I can't have children? Yet, at the time. Now she has three children. But at the time, she didn't have. How come? Why? So, there are some things that we can't wrap our minds around that makes our hearts hardened towards God. I used to have a friend in, when I was in Unilag, since today's story time, I'll tell you more stories. <laughs> when we were in Unilag. And this guy, you know, we used to kind of arrange babes back in the day. You know, but some of us, as crazy as some people thought we were, we were sane compared to this guy. This guy will rotate three to five girls in one day. As one were in Jajao, as one was coming down, one is climbing up. As he figured that the time for one to climb up is coming, he quickly come out, he says, Munei. I need 90 seconds. I understand. So I will go to the stairs and delay the girl for 90 seconds. Just engage her, you know, generally. Generally. 90 seconds, clockwork. I don't even need to go. He's dispatched the other one. He's collected a new one. It's just crazy. So I got saved. My final year. And the first thing, of course, I did was to look for all my friends and just tell them about Jesus. So, so sometimes it's strange that people get saved and they don't want to tell anybody about Jesus. It's totally very strange. Anyway, the first thing I want to do, so I looked for him. 
And I told him about Jesus. I told him from my heart. I wept talking to him about Jesus in an open place. Said to him, you have to repent. And he said to me, I was going to repent, but I can't. I said to him, why? In fact, at the end, we were both crying, and he didn't repent. And his story was simple. He said, if there was one Christian, somebody I knew that was a Christian, it was my mom, his mom. He says, this woman served God. This woman served. I know I'm a sinner, but this woman served God. He said it was by her bedside. She was sick. That he said to God, save this woman, and I will save you. And she died. You want me to follow that God? And he didn't give his life to Jesus. But you see, his mom is in a better place. And God is righteous all together. Everybody say all together. Righteous all together. We may not understand it. But it's righteous all together. But the good news about this story was years after we have graduated, I bumped into him. He was born again. <laughs> if I, he was coming from a church. He was sweating. He was sweating. He was coming from praise and worship. Praise the name of the Lord. There are some of us here, we are allowing our hearts to be hardened. You've gone through pain and things and you're like, how can? And it could even be what Christians have done. They call themselves Christians. See how they have behaved. You are allowing it to harden your heart. It could be your spouse. Maybe your spouse walked out on you. Maybe your spouse maybe cheated on you. And, and you still feel hurt and bitter. But unfortunately, you are projecting it towards God. For some of us, maybe you were abused. And you're like, where was God when I was defenseless? Where was God? But you see, don't let someone else come between you and God. Don't let fake Christians, fake pastors, fake prophets, don't let someone else, never let someone else get between you and God. What if I'm hurt? What if I've been hurt? If you have been hurt, I want to say two things to you. I'm sorry you are hurt. And God feels your pain. The second thing I want to say is, don't turn away from God. Rather, turn to God for healing. Turn to God for cleansing. Turn to God for restoration. Praise the name of the Lord. Why? Because it's a fact. This world is broken. This world is broken. Heaven is the only perfect place. This world is broken. People will fall short. They will sin. They will make poor choices. And when people make poor choices, it hurts other people. As long as you are here, you are going to 
make mistakes yourself. Your mistake is going to hurt somebody else. So the second thing that tries to harden and kick our hearts is bitterness. The first is what? Second is what? And the third is pride. Pride. We think we don't need God. What do I need God for? I can handle things by myself. You see, but the irony of this whole thing is that a hardened heart and a closed mind leads only to a barren life. A hardened heart and a closed mind leads only to a barren life. Nothing can grow there. Nothing. Nothing. Why? Because the beds of the end will come and pick up the seed. James 1.21 ICB translation, James 1.21 says, don't be proud, but accept God's teaching that is planted in your heart. This teaching can save what? Your soul. Don't be proud. Accept God's teaching in your heart. So if I want to grow spiritually, number one, I must be what? I must be receptive to God. I must be open to God. I must be willing. I must embrace God. Number two, if I want to grow spiritually, I must be resolved to grow. 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 I must make the decision and accept the responsibility that comes with spiritual growth. I must make the decision and accept the responsibility that comes with spiritual growth. Why? Because spiritual growth is a choice. Spiritual growth is a choice. As a matter of fact, you are as close to God as you really, really want to be. I want us to pause and look up for a while. Pause. I know you are writing. You are scribbling away. I know. Look up for a while. How close are you to God now? You are as close as you want to be. Have you seen other people way closer to God? And you're like, oh, I wish I could just be like that person. Guess what? You can be greater than that person. But you are where you are because you have chosen. How do I know? The word of God says, draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. If you read that scripture in isolation, you would think you are the one taking the first step. Why would the Bible say, draw near to God, as if the honors of the first step is on us? No. You know why the Bible says that? It's because God has already taken the first step. Jesus had come and taken the first step and died for you. So God has drawn near to you. So it's your turn. The ball is in your court. Are you going to hit a forehand or a backhand? I'm sorry. <laughs> draw near to God. And you will draw near to Okay. Now continue taking your notes. Verse 6. 
It says, other seed fell on shallow soil. With the underlining rock, this seed began to grow. This one actually, it started growing. And as soon, but soon it withered and died for lack of moisture. And he explained this parable in, in verse 13. He says, some people are like the seeds on a rocky soil. They welcome the world with joy. Everybody say with joy. They get to, they see something in the scriptures. They are excited. Oh, fantastic. I see this in the scriptures. They are excited. Oh, you know, I've never heard it before. Oh, fantastic. Church today was fantastic. I saw things I have not seen. With joy. Oh. But they don't develop any roots. They believe for a while, but when their faith is tested, they do what? They abandon it. So, shallow soil simply means a superficial commitment. A superficial commitment. A surface commitment. And a, 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 a superficial commitment. Shallow soil means a superficial commitment. Commitment. These people, they are thrilled, but they are not transformed. They are thrilled. They are excited about stuff, but they are not transformed. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. With joy, with joy, they embrace it. Sometimes they re- we react superficially. We get excited. We react emotionally. We move impulsively. But we need to take the time. We must take the time. To let it sink in. Someone tweeted me and said, she was listening to Pastor Gandhi's teaching again. And she was like, when did he say that? She was saying things that, that is someone that is letting it what? Sink in. Letting it sink in. Letting it sink in. For instance, for the past four weeks, we are doing um, clear thinking, right? Thinking clearly about our problems. We listed how to think clearly about your problems, right? Think clearly about your finances. We listed five points. How to think clearly about your finances, right? Some people, I hope you have not used it to eat ever. For some people, maybe I pray the fire of the air has not taken it away. For some people, I hope it's just not, oh, powerful word. Then what? Then last week, we looked at thinking clearly about what? Stress. Just think clearly about stress. Some people go home. Like, these children will not kill me. They will not stress me. Ah! Their stress is too much. You are just coming from thinking clearly about stress. My point is this. These words are useless if you are not going to do them. These words will not benefit you if you don't, if you don't sit down and let it sink in. Let it distill. In. Imagine you tell your son or your daughter, daughters are washing cars these days, to wash your car. And you come back and your child has not washed the car. And you're like, but, but you have not washed the car. And he says, ah, mom or dad. The way you said I should watch the car was powerful. I have never heard it like that before in my life. That 
word was strong. Praise the Lord. Mom, you won't believe it. When you said it, it brought tears to my eyes. But the car remains unwashed. And that's how a lot of people are. I'm sure not people here in Jesus' name. A lot of people are like that. You've, you've heard the word. You are excited about it. It brought tears to your eyes. Thank you for the tears. But do it. Some people are so uncomfortable they don't want to clap. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is like javelin. Yes! Look. If you know how, how much it takes to prepare a teaching, just one. That's just from man's perspective. The prayer time, the study time, the research time. Now, I can imagine God's perspective, His word. And we just take it. And we have goose pimples. Say, oh, Dad, I had goose pimples when you told me to wash the car. Goose pimples. Does that benefit anybody? If you don't go ahead and wash the car. We learned on Sunday, Axon. 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 Okay. Action. Maybe I'm looking at what's pastor say. James 1.22 says, don't only hear the message, but put it into practice. Otherwise, you are merely deluding yourself. That's strong. Don't keep yourself. Hearing is, and growing are not the same. Hearing and growing are not the same thing. They are not the same thing. So, but, but, but pastor, how is it that we forget so easily and it's natural. Research shows 95% of what is heard after 72 hours is forgotten. 95%. Everything you have heard in this place, after 72 hours, you have forgotten 95% of it. Which is why we take the pains to do this. You know why we do this? So at least you have it filed. One day, the Holy Ghost will move you. Then you can now, ah, okay, I see. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's why we take the pains to do it. That's why we take the pains to, 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 to give our messages for free on different platforms. Why? Because we know the challenge of life. We forget 95%. So, but by the time you keep hearing it, it sinks down and takes root into you. So to grow spiritually, you must take the time. Everybody say, take the time. Then you must make the effort. Everybody say, make the effort. Without taking the time and making the effort, you can't grow spiritually. 
To grow spiritually, you have to take the time and make the effort. First Timothy 4.7 First Timothy 4.7 says, take the time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. For you to be spiritually fit is going to take time and it's going to take trouble. It's in the Bible. If you want to be physically fit, it's going to take time. It's going to take trouble. The trouble of waking up at 5 a.m. and beginning to jog. It's trouble of going to the gym and exercising one hour every day. If you don't do it, you're not going to be fit. If you want to be fit, you take the time and the trouble. Some of you have taken the time and trouble to come for Thrive today. It shows you want to be fit. Praise the name of the Lord. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there are five commitments that you have to make for you to grow spiritually. I'm going to run through them. Number one, for me to grow spiritually, five commitments. I must commit to connect with others. Number one, I must commit to connect with others. I must commit to connect with others. Number two, I must commit to build spiritual habits. I must commit to build spiritual habits. Number three, I must commit to use my talent. I must commit to use my talent. Okay, number one, I must commit. So don't give up, don't give up writing, okay? I must commit to connect with others. Number two, I must commit to what? Build spiritual habits. Number three, I must commit to use my talent. Number four, I must commit to share my faith. I must commit to share my faith. I must commit to share my faith. And number five, I must commit to fulfill my purpose. I must commit to fulfill my purpose. You know, that is why God's favorite house, we are structured around these five commitments. In fact, we call it the journey. The first commitment, committing to connect with others, the first trip of the journey. Committing to build spiritual habits, the second trip of the journey. Committing to using my talent, the third trip of the journey. Committed to sharing my faith. The fourth trip of the journey. Committed to fulfilling my purpose. The fourth trip of the journey. It's deliberate. Totally deliberate. Outside of this commitment, you can't grow. If you say, oh, I am saved, but I don't want to connect with other Christians, you can't grow. If you say, oh, I am, I am saved, I don't want to develop spiritual habits. I don't want to know how to pray, know how to fast. You, you can't grow. If he says, oh, I am saved, I commit, connect to other Christians, I commit to habits, I don't want to use my talent. I don't want to use my talent. You can't grow if you don't use your talent. Oh, I'm committed uh, to other Christians, I 
What's the common? Habit, talent, then spread my faith. Oh, I'm a Christian. But I don't like want to talk about Jesus so, because I don't want to offend anybody. That is the beginning of your spiritual death. That's how it is. I didn't say so. It's in the Bible. You have to share your faith. Of course, not to be obnoxious. You share your faith. My friend, I told you to my friend. He, he didn't leave that meeting thinking I was rude. He saw that I was sincerely concerned for his eternity. Praise the Lord. Some of us, we have friends that are going straight to hell. You are not stopping them. Somebody said, some people think they will get to heaven. On their way to heaven, people from hell will be petitioning heaven. That lady must not go. She, she was my neighbor for 10 years. She said nothing to me about Jesus. Oh God of heaven, send her here. I'm telling you, some, someone said that. I'm not sure if it's true though. <laughs> but the point is, the point is this. You have to share your faith. Be creative about it. Invite someone to church. Let the person hear the gospel. Send the person a link to a website that has blessed you. Help people grow. And number one, number three, if I want to grow spiritually, number three, I must be ruthless with distraction. I must be ruthless. I must be ruthless. I must be ruthless with distraction. You see, because your most important objective in life is to grow spiritually and to become all that God has called you to become. That's your most important objective in life. To grow spiritually, to become all that God has called you to become. Because you cannot become all that God has called you to become if you don't grow spiritually, if you don't know how to hear God, if you don't know how to, to walk with the Holy Spirit. You can't be all that God has called you to be. But there are many things that can steal our focus. Waste our time, divert our energy, dampen our zeal. Many things. The Bible calls these distractions one word weeds. It was a weeds. Verse 7 Some fell among thorny weeds, but the weeds grew with it and choked it. Circle choked. Choked the good plant. Verse 14. The thorny ground represents those who hear and accept the message, but all too quickly. The message is crowded out. You can circle crowded out. Circle it. Crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. So they never grow into maturity. Can you see that? So what are the things that choke and crowd out God's seed in your life. Those things have one word. And that word is weeds. Ever say weeds. So the soil with weeds equals an overcrowded life. An overcrowded life. Weeds, the things that crowd out the most important things from our lives. So what are those things that are making sure you don't have time to be with God? What are those things that are making sure you don't have time to, 
to pray, to just stay with God and read your Bible and just spend time. What are those things that are preventing you from having your quiet time? What are those things that are preventing you from coming early for tribe so that you can spend time to just sit with God and pray? They have one word, weeds. Traffic, weeds. And sometimes, some of those things are, are seemingly harmless. Harmless. Jesus put them in three categories. He says, they are cares of this world. Cares of this world. How do, how do my family feed? How do we pay our rent? School fees. Cares of this world. The Bible says, it chokes the life out of the world. Deceitfulness of riches. Oh, I want to make it. Everybody wants to make it. What does it mean to make it? To hammer. I want to hammer. Hammer God. Jesus. <laughs> While there's nothing wrong with paying your, your bills, of course you should, and all those things. While there's nothing wrong with money, but it can, if you allow it, it can choke. So when it begins to choke your spiritual life, it becomes weed. Jesus says there's a third category, the pleasures of this world. Pleasures of this world. You just like to jollof. Weed. For those that are married, your wife wants to come for a prayer meeting. You are disturbing her for that thing. Because the children are here, you know that thing. Weed. There was a weed. Weed. Why? Because if you stop her from growing spiritually, by the time she opens carnality for you, you will run. Same thing. Your husband wants to serve God. The man says, oh, I want to give this amount. And you say, ah, softly, softly. I got born again before you. You know how we do these things? Weed. As a weed. And the list goes on. <laughs> so, how much effort is needed to grow weed? Question. How much effort is needed to grow weed? None. None. You know why? Because weed is a sign of neglect. Anything you neglect, we grow weed. The farmers will tell you that. Pastor Kole is not it's a farmer. Anything you neglect, you neglect will grow weeds. If you neglect your work with God, it will grow weed. If you neglect your relationship with your spouse, it will grow weed. If you neglect your children, it will grow weed. If you neglect your education, it will grow weed. If you neglect your personal development and reading and studying, your brain will have cobwebs. Question one. Question two. What should you do with weeds? Uproot them. But back in the day, if you are not saved, you smoke them. Back in the day, back in the day, those old things are passing me. Some people don't even understand what I'm saying. You get this like... In two weeks <laughs> Don't smoke weed, though. <laughs> Don't smoke. 
pass us his smoke weed. <laughs> I should get rid of the weed. No. No, no, no. That was before you got saved. What you do that is uproot it and, and, and burn it and trade it away, okay? <laughs> How did I even get there? No, question number three. What do you do? No. What do you need to weed out of your life? Now, I want you to stop. Think. What do you need to weed out of your life? Write it down. One, don't write more than three. Now, 30 seconds. No. 10 seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7. Don't think. You have thought. You've seen it. Write it now. What is that thing that is choking your life with God? Write it down. Write it down. Write it down. What's that thing that is choking your fellowship with God and growing spiritually? Write it down. Write it. Write it. Write it. Write it. For some of us, it's angry birds on your phone. Angry birds. Or it's candy crush. Some women, they pay candy crush for six hours. God will forgive you. Say amen. You can't pray for, for 30 minutes. You'll be sleeping. You'll be playing Tetris for three hours. Write Tetris. Weed. Praise the name of the Lord. Finally, Luke 8, 15 says, And the seed that fell on good ground is like those that what? Hear God's teaching with good and honest heart and obey it and patiently produce good fruits. That is how your life will be. In the name of Jesus. You will hear God's word with a good and honest heart. You will obey it and you will patiently produce good fruits. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.